No, I'm not starting over. No way. So, here we are. So, I think most of us guys in this room, we are aware of the complex relationship we have with these things, right? Most of us understand this. We feel this in our bodies, in our lived everyday lives. There's a tension there. They're not, we, it's, I think it would be like a love-hate relationship. There's a lot of good things that technology does. Right. If we think about the last two years, I mean, love it or hate it, Zoom Church, we got through. We were able to see Ew. each other. Uh, for me, my family's in the States. Lee and Tian, you guys get to FaceTime. Your, that's beautiful. There's lots of good things about technology. But at the same time, we, we feel this hatred towards it because we're so connected. Like we're never not connected to our work or to other things that we wish we could just disconnect from. Um, there's all kinds of studies that show how our relationship with our phone can lead to mental health issues and on and on the list could go. So I think most of us in this room are aware of there, there's something here that we haven't yet figured out how to do in a healthy way. We've got a problem. We get it. I understand. And most conversations, so not every conversation, some of you in the room may have a great relationship with technology and that's awesome. But most conversations I have with you guys or other people in general around screens, there's some type of refrain or chorus or recognition that I just don't really know how to handle this properly, or I wish I used it less, or I feel like it's just, it's getting the best of me again. I just, I'm using it to distract myself or something along those lines. And so whether that's us as parents, like, I don't know, I just, I don't know how much TV my kids should watch, how much video games should he play. Maybe that's you as a single person, like how much time should I be spending on social media or whether you're retired, wherever you are in your life, there's probably some kind of questioning about how do we interact with our phones. So my intention today isn't to just read a bunch of stat lines about the dangers of technology. I'm not going to do that. You could Google that yourself. I'm also not trying to condemn you into not using your phone. Um, But when I was thinking and praying about you guys this week and, and myself, I felt like there's a bigger, there's something behind this that I want to think about. And, and the things that, that the, the more we live our lives online, how, how do we interact and engage with things online? How does that spill out into our spiritual formation and how we think about being a disciple of Jesus? So I'm going to talk about a few things that I think we can drag into our spirituality, into our spiritual formation that are unhelpful and can actually sabotage us in the process of becoming like Jesus. Okay, so... That's what I want to talk about, talk, talk about today. And moreover, it's, it's also like I want to think about the ways that the Internet or being, being li- living online can leave us disillusioned in our discipleship to Jesus, where we're kind of stuck there. And because we have to realize and, and take into consideration that the things that we do do something to us. So how much time we spend on our phone, using our phones, all those things, whether or not we know it, they're informing us in some way. Okay, so we're going to talk about that today. But before we do that, I want to read for us Psalm 27. So we've been standing up, guys, as we read the scripture together. So would you mind standing with me? And then I'll pray. No, I'm not going to go into that. So Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. And this is the thing I want to zero in on. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, 
to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Mm -hmm. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we thank you that you're here with us. And Lord, I humbly submit the things I have to share today to you and just ask that you would breathe on them, Lord. Um, I pray for clarity and I pray for conviction, both in my telling and in in our hearing together, Lord, your word. And so would you move amongst us um, and may, may, may your light shine into the dark places in our hearts, Lord. Um, May your face be the thing that we actually seek after above everything else. Mm -hmm. And Holy Spirit, would you reveal Jesus to us this morning like he has never been before. I pray that we would actually have fun together this morning and that we would leave here changed more into the image of your son, Father. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys. So three ideas or three things that we experience on li- with life on our devices. And I, I want to present like um, a- an antidote to that and-, and how we see that in the scriptures. So the first thing I want to think about is online, everything is instant. Okay. Does anyone remember encyclopedias? Yes. <laughs> what yes. about dictionaries? Yes. What about handwriting? Yes. What about, no? What about, I lost you there. What about writing a letter? Yes. Waiting for a letter. Yeah. What? Yeah? yeah? What about waiting? <laughs> Does anyone remember waiting? There's a great line in uh, Arcade Fire is a great band. One of the choruses of their songs is, we used to wait. And it's like, yeah, that's, 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 that sums up our culture. We used to wait. And I don't know about you, but I, when I order something on Amazon, I am deeply offended <laughs> when the order I'm looking to place does not offer me prime delivery. It's like, how dare you expect me to wait longer than... 48 hours for this pair of socks that I really need or something like that. But it's amazing how quickly we can learn or acquire things nowadays. It's insane. And I think that that, that is, is part of our life. It helps us in a lot of ways. But that whole idea that everything should be immediately available to us can have catastrophic um, consequences in our discipleship to Jesus. Okay, see, the, pro- the problem here is that spiritual formation is a, is a long, long process. Yeah. Spiritual formation is more than just knowledge acquired. I can't just say, hey, Siri, how do I become like Jesus? She can't give me an answer, and then I just slowly just do that, and then I'm done. But this is how we think about things if we're not careful. I see this in my own life. I'm, I'm so impatient with my own d- development. And if I'm honest, I'm, I'm impatient with the development and the people in my life around me. Like, how do they not get this yet? 
Like I ordered this for them on Amazon and they haven't yet delivered this understanding yet. Do you guys feel that? That like, that like, why the heck does this not make sense yet? And so I think that that is an illusion that we could carry into our, our spiritual formation. Becoming like Jesus, to use uh, Eugene Peterson's phrase, is a long obedience in the same direction. Yeah. It takes time. It's bumpy. It's not instant. And it requires us to develop this muscle of patience. So the antidote for this whole idea that everything is instant is to learn how to patiently be with Jesus and patiently be with other people. A couple years ago, my family and I decided to drive to Texas, um, which is a long time. It's a long drive. I don't know if anyone's ever done it before. 57 hours. 57 hours, right? And that trip was wild. Um, We almost sent Jess home from Nashville on an airplane. There was just, it was a lot of tears. But anyways, uh, that is a lot like our spiritual development though. Like if I could give you guys a picture of what that trip was like. Our kids though, like when the younger two uh, or the older two kids grew up driving to see my family in Virginia all the time. So this 14 hour drive was a part of their life. And so when they were really young, they'd ask like in Cookstown, like, are we there yet? <laughs> and then eventually they, they realized like, okay, we're halfway when we're in Pennsylvania. And they began to trust like Jess and I that we knew where we were going. Right, Hannah? Maybe? Okay. That, that we were getting somewhere. And so on that Texas road trip, our younger two hadn't really gone to, to Virginia as often. So that, that was a very frequent question. But it was interesting to see the older girls trusted us, that, that, that knowledge of like before we've done these shorter trips, we can trust mom and dad that one day we're going to actually get to Texas. <laughs> it actually played out. So that, that are we there yet question didn't come up as much. And so I think when I think about our, our process of becoming like Jesus, the more we engage it, the more we allow ourselves to immerse, like to be immersed in that whole process of just being patient, just going along for the ride, trusting God, that we're going to be able to, to get through those difficult times. So Jess, you know, like I said, there, was a, there were many low points where we were like, why the expletive did we do this trip? <laughs> and, but it was like, no, there's, there's, some, there's, there's a worthwhile end goal. We're going to go be with people we love. We're going to see things we've never seen before. And we were able to push through in that process. But it required patience. I mean, and not even, we want to talk about our screen usage. Like our kids watched 57 hours of TV probably on that trip. But anyways, you get the point. There's this, this as we engage this process of, of learning to be patient with Jesus in the process, as we let go of this illusion that even our spiritual formation can be instant, I think we're up, we're into, we're setting ourselves up for a beautiful journey of things to see with God. Uh, two scriptures to think about um, with about patience. And just Jesus is walking alongside us. So this is Paul in 2 Corinthians 3.18. He says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the Im- same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's, it's a process from one degree to the, to the next. And Philippians, Paul again, Philippians 1.6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So in, in all of these things, guys, there's a way that even what we started with, with the greatest commandment, God wanting to make us wholehearted and teaching us to love our neighbors, this applies to how we see ourselves and how we see other people as well. So how do we learn to express patience and be patient with ourselves and also with the people in our lives who are learning 
specifically in our community, learning to become more like Jesus themselves. So it's very easy to become impatient with ourselves and with other people. So that is the first um, idea there. The second one is this, everything is perfect. So if we think about um, just technology in general, it's pretty sleek. It's pretty cool. Anyone been to the Apple store? No. It's a vibe. It's very cool. Everything is very just like, it's perfect. It's in its right place. If we think about social media, how it works, often people are posting the highlights of their lives. Um, We don't really want to see the normal stuff of life. So it gives this illusion that everything is perfect and everything should be perfect. We should be able to get it right away. Um, This, I have a weird anxiety about technology. Uh, This week we got a new computer for the church. And so I was trying to set it up and for some reason it didn't work. And I was so angry. I was like, I just bought this thing and the church just bought this thing. This is supposed to work. This is not how it's supposed to be. It should not be frozen. And I was thinking about that. Like when I was there, I'm like, that's ridiculous. It's a thing. It's man-made. It's whatever. And so I, I talked myself out of it. But I could see this, this, this whole idea that everything just needs to work. This is, ha- this is not how it's supposed to be. Everything should be perfect. Is kind of like that, that idea of how technology is presented to us. Yeah. Plug it in, it'll go, your life will be forever changed. And so I think this leads to an unrealistic expectation of myself and other people as I'm trying my best to become like Jesus, as you're trying your best to become like Jesus and to be, become a disciple, we can very quickly become disillusioned when we plug in, for lack of a better term, our spirituality and it just doesn't work. Like, how, what does this mean? Am I, I'm, there's something like malfunctioning in me. You see, life is a lot more lumpy and wrinkly and smelly than we care to admit. And the truth, but in, in, at the same time, it is a lot more beautiful than we're able to see. Because we overlook the little things thinking that it has to be this perfect, bigger thing. And so this can lead us to dehumanize ourselves and other people. You see, sinful humans are who we are, and we're learning from Jesus how to live life in his kingdom. And so it's very easy for us to project onto our spirituality this idea that everything should just work right away. So for example, last week I talked about fasting. Maybe some of you tried it, and it didn't work perfectly right away. Maybe you were disillusioned and thought, I'm never going to fast again. (laughs) Be honest. I mean, I've had that thought in many capacities um, about fasting specifically, but... um, or whatever it might be like, hey, I'm trying to forgive someone. I prayed the prayer one time, but then the next day I woke up and I, I still felt a little bit hurt. What the heck? I, I plugged that in and it didn't work. Everything should just be perfect. And the reality is, is the invitation from Jesus to, to become his disciple is an invitation to practice. And so practice means that we don't get things right all the time. Anyone who's ever learned an instrument or anything worth knowing that like you don't get it right all the time. And that's okay. That doesn't mean you give up trying. And so I don't know if anyone else, I feel that hugely in my discipleship to Jesus, that this whole idea that everything should just work right away, everything should be perfect, and I shouldn't have to practice. This is what Jesus says in Luke 6. He says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. This implies this whole process of learning, that there is a, that there's a growing process that happens here. And then First Peter 1, I'm going to read it here because it's pretty long. First Peter, or it's actually Second Peter one. You guys okay? Yeah. 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 Second Peter. Did you guys say Second Peter or Two Peter? 
Second. Peter the second. Peter the second. Oh, nice. <laughs> Please turn to Peter the second. Uh, so Second Peter one three. His divine. So God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Mind blowing. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed by, from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly divided for you an entrance into the eternal, sorry, provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So spiritual formation is not a plug and play situation. We are people who are, have been given this new life from God and we're learning how to practice this new way in the life of the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit in community and on and on it could go. But this, this illusion that everything should be perfect, everything should just work right away, leads us to disillusionment. And the remedy for that is embracing a life of practice and embracing this idea that I'm slowly becoming like Jesus. The third thing, I want us to think about, and I couldn't come up with a great like line, but just bear with me. Everything is online, which obviously, Tom, we're talking about, you know, but everything, just bear with me. Everything, everything is online. And we talked about this over the last couple of years. This has been incredible. You know, FaceTime, um, distance learning. I don't know. Parents undecided. I don't know what you think about. No, <laughs> we, we homeschool. So it's, but Zoom church, there's, there's tons of ways we want to be grateful for this whole idea of being connected. Um, but life online, this is the illusion that it gives us. That we can be everywhere at once so that we can be omnipresent. Um, I have a very embarrassing story to tell about. Jess and I were on our anniversary a few years ago date. And she went into a store and I was just waiting for her in the car. And I, picked, I saw a phone call and I picked up the phone and answered the phone and had this conversation with this person. And it, it was whatever. It was a troubling conversation. And then I, she came back into the car and I was completely distracted. I was like nowhere near paying attention to her. I was kind of like aloof. She's like, what happened? And then I told her what happened. And then we ended up having this huge argument and fight. And so I thought, you know, I can be here. I can be here for Jess and I can be here for this other person. I, I have enough bandwidth to do this. And lo and behold, I did not have anywhere close to enough bandwidth. And I, I could have a million other stories about that. Like I'm putting my kids to bed and I'm, I'm texting some, I'm praying for them and I'm texting someone or, I, you know, they're asking me a question and, I, and all they see this actually, rather than my face. And maybe you have similar stories that there's this illusion that we're buying into that we can be everywhere at once, but we're missing the very people right in front of us in the process. So what that calls us to that illusion that we're brought into that you can be everywhere at once it, it removes us from this invitation from Jesus to actually be fully present to him and to other people. Life with Jesus is one that's tethered to the reality of a muddy earth, less than, than the technology that we so often hold in our hands. 
You see, when we think about even Jesus' example, Jesus took on flesh, right? He came and walked amongst us. I love Eugene Peterson. Um, he says, the word became flesh and he moved into the neighborhood. He's like, I'm here. I'm doing this. And, and I think that, that, that illusion or the way things are going with technology, and again, I'm, I'm dipping into things I don't really even fully understand, the metaverse and all that stuff, that, that's like calling us to be disembodied rather than embodied. And so that, there's that whole idea that, hey, you can be everywhere at once. You can present something that isn't really real to the people around you. All those things kind of play into that. But we, we want to learn from Jesus what it looks like to be fully present. Yeah. And so the remedy for this idea that everything is online is this whole idea of practicing presence. How do we be where we are fully and completely? And Jesus, in the story of Scripture, he showed us our, our deepest fulfillment of all of our deepest, deepest longings, the desires beneath the desires, is to be fully present with him and with others in the new creation. And so how do we learn to practice here face-to-face relationship? How does that become more normal for us than in the past? That's what we all need and desire and long for. And it's easy to send a text. And, and there's nothing wrong with texting, but how do we work towards a face-to-face conversation rather than just hiding behind email or text or things like that? Mm-hmm. So those are the three ideas I wanted to talk about today, guys. So I think with all of that in mind, how can we learn to live patient lives of practice that are fully present to God and to other people? Just a few thoughts on this. The first thing, um, I think when I think about a specific spiritual discipline, The one that comes to mind is silence and solitude. And I taught on this in November, I think, and it's online. Uh, It's called When Nothing is Actually Something. And so if you want to listen to that, I'm not going to go through the whole thing again this morning. But just a quick definition of what I mean by silence and solitude is... Wait for it. Keep going. Keep going. Good job, Annabelle. The regular practices of intentionally removing oneself from other people, things, noise, both internal and external, for the purpose of slowing down to be fully present with God, a space where God can love us and we can be made whole. So that practice, guys, is one that I found incredibly impactful and helpful for actually how I engage with other people. I'm better with other people when I'm alone with God for, for more often than I have been in the past. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. So if, we're, if, this, if any of this is resonating with you this morning, I would say start there. Try to, try to practice silence and solitude. And I can talk more with you after if you'd like to talk about that. Um, the second thing is, is how do we learn to pay attention to what has our attention? Um, I think the biggest danger for me, I don't know about you with my phone and screens, is just to distract myself into some stupor. Uh, Ronald Rollheiser says, we are distracting ourselves into a sort of spiritual oblivion which I think is fairly reasonable and accurate. Um, But Mary Oliver, one of uh, my wife's favorite poets, she says, attention is the beginning of devotion. Mm. Attention is the beginning of devotion. So take a sec this week. What what am I paying attention to? What what am I looking to? What what am I literally putting before my eyes? And how is that, how is that, what is, how is that forming me more or less into the image of Jesus? And I think often, too, my wife, my kids and my wife are so good at this. They're, they're so good at noticing the small things in life. Um, so this is just a nod to, like, hey, go outside and go for a walk and look at things. And I was trying to remember, do you know the thing Uncle John always says about people are looking for God, but they're not looking low enough? 
something like that. I'm like looking at you guys like, hey, do you guys know what Uncle John said? (laughs) Everyone knows Uncle John. But essentially the idea is we're looking for God and he's like, hey, you're not looking low enough. I'm I'm here. I'm in the things that you're walking past. Um, I'm probably not here as much as you think I am. So we're looking low enough. Get outside in nature. Notice the small things. And attention is the beginning of devotion. So pay attention to what you're paying attention to. And then thirdly, like I hesitate even to go down this road. Um, but maybe some, some thinking through in a new way, just some guidelines for your family with screens is in order. And so there's a book I started. I didn't finish it yet. It's really good so far. It's called Tech Wise Family. Tech Wise Family by Andy Crouch. He's got some really cool stuff to say. But I wanted to just share a couple things that my family, we've tried to practice over the last couple of years that we found really helpful. Um, the first thing is I try to do one day a week with no screens or no phone specifically. And that's normally our day off, our family day. And I would say I notice the most when I don't do it. Is that fair, Jess? I'm more, like when I do it, it's like I don't really think about it. But when I don't do it, like the next day and even that day, I'm more agitated, I'm less present. So it's just something I've tried to do and I found it really helpful. Um, just, just literally turning it off and putting it in a cupboard and not even looking at it till the next day. Uh, I think we, it's really easy for us, especially those of us with young families, just to put the TV on for our kids. Um, how do we find alternatives to that? How do we normalize boredom? Hey, oh, what do we, th- what do we think about that? How do we play board games more than we used to? All those types of things. And I think individually, maybe some of us struggle with uh, specifically social media. I know I did when I had it on my phone, I was constantly checking it, even for no reason, just like the, the muscle memory of that app being there. I, I, li- I literally deleted them off my phone. And so if I do want to check them, I have to go onto my laptop and log in. Just that extra step makes it a little bit more difficult to kind of just find ourselves trapped there. Uh, Turn off notifications. And any of you who have an iPhone, there's this screen time thing. It's just really cool. You can lock yourself out of apps after a certain time. But anyways, I don't want to become prescriptive, but just a couple ideas. I do think it's worth considering and thinking through, um, specifically those of us with young kids, how do we want to treat tech as a family? So I want to close with... Uh, a couple questions to leave you with this week, okay? And I think for me, the, the, the thing that when I was praying this week for us, guys, I felt like uh, I was reminded of the Genesis story, the beginning, when, oh, the podcast, I'm sorry, people listening on the podcast, all my papers rumbling around. Um, Adam and Eve sin. They fall. And again, I'm not saying screens are sinful, but just this question came to mind. Um, God comes into the garden and asks this question, where are you? Where are you? And I think that's the question I was left with when I was thinking about just our formation, screens, distraction, all those types of things. That God's heart for us is, hey, where are you? Like, I'm here. I want to be with you. I, want, I'm, I'm, I love you, even though you've, you screwed up. In this case, Adam and Eve's case, they just rebelled there's still this longing to, hey, come be with me. Where are you? And I think that's kind of the sentiment I hope that you're left with this morning is not, hey, you shouldn't do this and shouldn't do this. It's more so God inviting us to come be with him in a fresh way. So I have three questions to sit with um, this week. And the first one is this. And if you have something to write down, I would just encourage you to write these things down because it's easy to be like, oh yeah, I read that thing and forget it. You can even write it on your phone if you want to. (laughs) Um, 
The first one is this, is when, when, not if, when will I make time to slow down to be with Jesus? When this week will I slow down to make time to be with Jesus? And this again goes to that whole idea of developing patience. And it might not even seem terribly fruitful to begin with, but how do we, how do we come against that illusion that everything should be instant and learn to be patient? The second question is, what's one area of life that Jesus is inviting me to learn to do differently? So this goes to that whole idea that everything should be perfect and remedying that with this whole idea of how do I develop a life of practice? And then finally, to whom is Jesus leading me to be fully present to this week? And this is, of course, moving from a way, moving towards a life that is present to God and other people. Good. Everyone have them? They're on the screen. Oh, they should be. Yeah. I can post them online or whatever. Or mail, I'll, I'll actually mail them to you. I'll write them. <laughs> you have to be patient and wait till they arrive. 48 hours. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. To whom is Jesus leading me to be fully present to this week? <laughs>